Sri <laughs> Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shiva Siddhigaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopana Shaima Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Shred Goswami Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada's Transcendental Book Distribution Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada's Transcendental Prasadam Distribution Ki Jai Sri Sri Radha Kalachanji Ki Jai Sri Sri Radha Govindaji Ki Jai Sisi Choda Radakala Chanji Kijai. Sisi Balagorni Thai Kijai. Sisi Sri Jagannath Baladev Subhadra Kijai. Sibati Tulsi Devi Kijai. Bhakti Devi Kijai. Jamuna Mai Kijai. Ganga Mai Kijai. Sri Mayapur Dham Kijai. Sri Nabaru Dham Kijai. Sri Vrindavan Dham Kijai. Sri Mathura Dham Kijai. Sri Jagannath Puri Dham Kijai. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai. Shama Veda Bhakta Vrinda Kijai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Shiguru and Shigoranga.
Jaya Radha Madhava Kanjabihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kanjabihari Opijana Balaba Giribara Dari Opijana Balaba Giribara Dari Ashodana dana braja jana ranjana Ashodana dana braja jana ranjana Tamuna tiramanachari Tamunati Ramanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Punjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Punjabi Hari Gopi Janna Vallabha Giri Varadari Gopi Janna Vallabha Giribaradari Tamuna Tiravanachari Yamuna Tiravanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Punjabi Hari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari <coughs> Jaya Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Om Vishnu Pan, 
Paramahamsa Paravita Kacharya Asto Tarasta Shishivanis. Divine Grace. Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Ananta Koti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai. Sri Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai. Preyam Sikao Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda. Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gaur Bhaktivrinda Ki Jai. Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopagopna Shamakun Radha Kungiri Govardhan Ki Jai. Sri Hari Nam Sankirtan Ki Jai. Grantaraj Shumad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Nityananda Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvasesha Sanyavadi Pasyatadishatarine So, thank you all for coming. Today's class in the beautiful Bhagavatam, 10th Canto, 8th uh, Chapter, uh, 27th Verse. Is that it? Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Tataha to Bhagavan <coughs> Krishna <coughs> Tatas to Bhagavan Krishna Vayasyar Brajabalikai Ya Bayasya Brajabalakai Saharamo Rajastrinam Rajastrinam Yes, Trinam Saharamo Brajastrinam Chikride Jayat. Janayan, Janayan, Mudam, Chikride Janayam Mudam, Tatastu Bhagavan Krishna, Vayasyar Brajabalakai, Saharamo Brajastrinam, Chikride Janayam Mudam Tatastu Bhagavan Krishna Vayasyar Braja Balakai Shamaramo Brajastrinam Chikride Janayam Mudam 
Mothers, Tataha. Thereafter, to but Bhagawan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishnaha, Lord Krishna, Vayas, Vayas Yai, with their playmates, Rajabalakai with other small children in Braj. Saharamaha, along with Balaram. Rajastrinam, of all the ladies of Braj. Chikride, <coughs> playing very happily. <coughs> Janayan, awakening. Mudam, transcendental bliss. Translation, thereafter Lord Krishna along with Balaram began to play with the other children of the cowherd men, thus awakening the transcendental bliss of the cowherd women. Please repeat, thereafter Lord Krishna along with Balaram began to play with the other children of the cowherd men, thus awakening the transcendental bliss of the cowherd women. Purport by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. The word Saharama, meaning along with Balaram, is significant in this verse. In such transcendental pastimes, Krishna is the chief hero and Balaram provides additional help. Balaram is like the backup man. Huh? <coughs> Text 28. Krishna gopyo ruchinam viksha kalmar achapalam 
Srinvantya kilatan matur iti hochu samagataha. Translation Observing the very attractive childish restlessness of Krishna, all the gopis in the neighborhood, <coughs> excuse me, to hear about Krishna's activities again and again, would approach Mother Yashoda and speak to her as follows. Krishna's activities, purport, Krishna's activities are always very attractive to devotees. Therefore, the neighbors who were friends of Mother Yashoda informed Mother Yashoda of whatever they saw Krishna doing in the neighborhood. Mother Yashoda, just to hear about the activities of her son, stopped her household duties and enjoyed the transformation, or excuse me, the information given by the neighborhood friends. I'm going to go on to verse 29, but uh, I'm going to pause and speak a little bit about this one. I could speak about, uh, but uh, I want to go because these are these are nice pastimes. So I want to do another verse too. So, Om Gyana Tamarindasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stapitam Jena Butale Svayam Rupakadamayam Dadanti Swapadanti Kam Banja Kalpata Rupyascha Kripa Sindhu Bevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Pravinatananda Sri Advaita Gadara Sri Vasari Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <coughs> So I'm hoping that uh, our dear Lord Kalachanji will be kind upon you and, and speak to you in whatever way he wants to touch whoever's heart he wants to touch in whatever way he wants to touch it. I personally have no opinion except what I read in my spiritual master's books and uh, uh, I'll try to speak thusly, the, the opinion of my guru and however Krishna would prefer. So <coughs> please excuse me. <coughs> so uh, this Last verse was interesting. Observing the very attractive childish restlessness of Krishna. See, you know, we made note here that uh, oftentimes we, we notice children are pretty much restless. They're always moving and going. And it seems like they always have something. They're always grabbing something that they shouldn't have. <clears throat> when the child comes to somebody's house, everything has to move up. You know, they have to, you have to go around moving things up so the, child's can't, the children can't reach it, you know. And it gets to be quite annoying, you know, that the kids are running here and doing that, grabbing this and whatever. However, Krishna is so different. The people, uh, the inhabitants of Braj are observing him, you see. And instead of going to Mother showed, of course, sometimes they had to complain about him. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a pastime. It was a sweet pastime. Uh, <clears throat> observing the very attractive, childish restlessness of Krishna. Krishna's childish restlessness was very attractive. Now, coast, uh, to most parents, their, child, their, their children's restless, uh, restless uh, behavior is attractive. You know, we notice that whenever there are children, mothers are always a little... Uh, they're the last ones to notice that the children are making a mess or making a lot of noise. Because they become, a, they're actually attached to it. They're attracted, you see. So you may hear it, you may be thinking, 
oh boy, what's she going to tell that child to be a little quiet, you know? But the mom can tell, tolerate it because there's a love. There's a situation of love happening here, see? We don't have that much uh, love for the child, you see? So uh, it's a little more difficult for us to tolerate than the mother who has the, the love of the mother, you see? So, uh, but in this case, everyone in Braj is seeing that the, the Krishna's uh, activities are very, very attractive. So all the gopis in the neighborhood to hear about uh, Krishna's activities again and again would approach Mother Yashoda and speak to her. So they would go to Mother Yashoda <coughs> and Mother Yashoda would stop her work. She would stop what she was doing uh, just to talk about her son's activities. So this is, uh, this is an act of love, you see. There's a loving exchange going on. <coughs> so uh, I'm going to read the next verse too because it's awfully sweet. Vatsanmuchanam kvachid asyami krishno sanjatahasaha streyam svadvanti atadadhi payaha kalpita sreya yogai Markam boksham vibhajati sa chinnati bandam binanti Dravyala bhe sarga kupito yati upkrosht yatakan Translation, our dear friend Yashoda, your son sometimes comes to our homes before the milking of the cows and releases the calves. And when the master of the house becomes angry, <clears throat> your son merely smiles. Sometimes he devises some process by which he steals palatable curd, butter, and milk. <clears throat> Keep in mind they're not, uh, when they're talking about curd here, they mean yogurt. You know, we call it curd, uh, what we call curd is paneer, and what they call curd is actually yogurt. So he's stealing the yogurt, the palatable yogurt, butter and milk, which he then eats and drinks. When the monkeys assemble, he divides it with them. And when the monkeys have their bellies so full that they won't take anymore, <laughs> he breaks the pots. Sometimes he gets no opportunity to steal butter or milk from a house. He will be angry at the, at the householder, and for his revenge, he will agitate the small children by pinching them. Then when the children begin crying, Krishna will go away. <laughs> so, Srila Prabhupada says in the purport, the narration of Krishna's naughty childhood pastimes would be presented to Mother Yashoda in the form of complaints. Sometimes Krishna would enter the house of a neighbor and if he found no one there, he would release the calves before the time for the cows to be milked. The calves are actually supposed to be released when their mothers are milked. But Krishna would release them before that time, and naturally the calves would drink all the milk from their mothers. When the cowherd men saw this, they would chase Krishna and try to catch him, saying, Here is Krishna doing mischief. But he would flee and enter another house where he would again devise some means to steal butter and curd. 
Then the cowherd men would again try to capture him, saying, Here is the butter thief. Better capture him. And they would be angry, but Krishna would simply smile, and they would forget everything. Sometimes in their presence, he would begin eating the curd and butter. There was no need for Krishna to eat butter, since his belly was always full. But he would try to eat it, or else he would break the pots and distribute the contents to the monkeys. In this way, Krishna was always engaged in mischief-making. In any house... If, he could, uh, if in any house he could not find any butter or curd to steal, he would go to a room and agitate the small children sleeping there by pinching them. And when they cried, he would go away. <laughs> so, you know, you can see uh, uh, this the nature of, of Krishna. Now, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he's naughty. What can we say? He's, uh, uh, he's just that way. So oftentimes when we're preaching, we may run across people uh, on our travels, and they may say, well, you know, to hear these things, this, are you sure this is God that you're talking about? You know, isn't this some star of the, the Vedic myth mythology? You know? I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean... Uh, this doesn't really sound like God. This, this has got to be some, somebody or something else that's going on here. So it's very difficult for us to uh, sometimes to uh, get them on the right track to get their mind thinking properly. It's just like uh, uh, Jaidwaita Maharaj came to, uh, to San Antonio, and uh, uh, you know it's always such a sweet pleasure to have his association. So we got alone by ourselves, and... You know, it's just so sweet to, to be with him. And I guess we're like a couple of, of young girls. We would just, let's get caught up. Oh, You know, so anyway, we were talking. And um, <clears throat> discussion, we were just, you know, this thing's just a, and I don't know how we got on the subject, but when, uh, and I think this happens to most or, or maybe all of us, when we first become uh, devotees, and we start to read Srila Prabhupada's books, we start to notice that Prabhupada talks a lot about these mayavadis, you know, these impersonalists. You notice that? And in, we start to wonder in the beginning, who are these impersonalists? Who are the mayavadis? And then as you read further and further, you think, boy, Prabhupada really has it in for these mayavadis. But who are these guys? And what did they do to Prabhupada? Well, he doesn't say anything very good about them, you know. He's slamming the Mayavadis. Who are these guys? Who are these impersonalists? You know? Boy, who could think of God as not being a person or a personality? What's with these people? What kind of demons are they? And then as we go along and as we start to advance a little bit, the, and this, I think this happens to all or most of us, the stark realization one day comes, I am an impersonalist. I always have been, all my life, and for no telling how many lives. Now, I can say, oh, no, if I was going to argue with myself, and I hate it when I do that, but I always win. I could argue and say, no, no, I thought of God as a person, you know, 
gray-haired guy, an old old guy with a big beard, lived in that cloud. Up, well, no, maybe it was that cloud up. Well, one of those clouds, you know. You see, he slept under a, on a different cloud every night because he's so renounced. You see. So no, I thought there's a person. You see, and I thought he could see me. So. No, I was a personality. Only to learn that, no, I was an impersonalist. I was a Maya buddy. I didn't give him a personality. I tried to give him some sort of a form, but I didn't know his personality. I was impersonal with him. He's up there. Uh, he's doing something, and uh, I don't know what he does. Uh, he wants me to follow the ten rules, and you know I know that, and I know he's a, he's probably got an eye on me most of the time, you know maybe all the time, you see. But I really didn't know enough to have a relationship. I wasn't personal with uh, the Supreme Lord. So <clears throat> this process of bhakti yoga is to not only uh, get personal with the Lord, but to get up close and personal with the Lord. When we're talking about this uh, Krishna, uh, this is different. Uh, people sometimes think, well, you're just another religion, and you're saying your God can beat up my God. Your God's better than my God. No, we're saying this is the supreme personality of Godhead. He has innumerable, innumerable personalities. He has um, a personality to fit any occasion, you could say. Any desire that you have to associate with the Lord, there is that kind of God. He appears in that form, you see. When you want to go into a situation of love, you have to approach Krishna. I'm talking not just love, the kind of love that we kick around here, that root word that we throw around in the material world. I'm talking about pure, loving devotion. Krishna Prem you see, to where we love him more than anything, to the point that uh, as we get closer and closer to Krishna and realizing the love we have with Krishna, he becomes less and less God. Krishna is not a godlike figure. Evidence. Here's exhibit one right here. You know, he's, he's going around doing naughty things. Uh, he feeds the monkeys until they, until they can't hold anymore. You know, then he breaks the pots. He's doing this. Why is he doing this? He gives them transcendental bliss. The people actually get a little angry at him, but then he just smiles, and then they kind of forget it. But uh, then they take great pleasure in talking about what he did. It's not like they want to get together. It's not like they all storm uh, Nanda Maharaj's house with torches and farm implements, you know. Uh, do something about this, Krishna. It's not like that, you see. They may get a little miffed from time to time, huh? but then they enjoy it, you see. The nature of real deep love is one, as we can see here with the Supreme Lord, uh, he likes to, um, those who are loving him, he likes to push them a little bit, you see. It's not all... Uh, like we think about God in the impersonal state. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. I love you, I love you. Oh, God, you're so great. Oh, dear God, you know. That's one part of it. 
You see, that's as your love will grow, God is going to He's going to want you to lighten up a little bit. You see, He's going to want to have uh, a little bit of a closer relationship. See, so therefore, when you are ready for that, there is this Krishna. You see, Krishna is not only just a name of God. Krishna is a very special name of God. It's a it's a warm and fuzzy. It's an up close and personal name, you see. When you say, it's just like I tell people as I travel around, if you meet the President of the United States, you, you might say, oh, good evening, Mr. President. It's a pleasure to meet you, you see. If you're one of his friends that you know, uh, that he knows you very well from the Senate or the House of Representatives, you may say, you might even say, Mr. You know, Mr. Obama. Good evening, Mr. Obama. Now, if you're one of his buddies and he ran around with in Chicago, you know, protesting and doing whatever he was doing back those days, he was, you might say, hello, Barack, how are you, you see? But his wife, Michelle, she doesn't call him Mr. President. She doesn't call him uh, Mr. Obama. She has very special names for him. She might call him sweetheart, honey, dear, like that, you see? She has very intimate names because she has a very intimate relationship. So this Krishna is one of those intimate names for God. It's the most intimate name. When you say that, when you vibrate that sound, Krishna, you're not talking to God. You're talking to the most beautiful, most beloved, most wonderful, most attractive personality. He is God, but uh, when, you're, when you're totally uh, uh, in love with someone, you can't have the awe and reverence of their being God, you see. In Goloka Vrindavan, Krishna is not thought of to be God. He's not God. He is God, but to them, he's not God. Do you think they're looking at him as God here in his pastimes? No. He's just this incredibly special, wonderful, naughty boy. And no matter how naughty he is, uh, they can't get enough of hearing of his pastimes, you see. Now, this is an example of personalism, having a personal relationship with God, you see. Now, we can also have a personal relationship with God. Perhaps ours may not be quite as uh, uh, exciting as having Krishna steal our butter and, uh, and our yogurt, it would be nice, though, if he would. So it would be nice. But we can have this personal relationship with Krishna. People say, well, how is that? How can we have a personal relationship? I can't even see him. So I'm going to have a personal relationship with him. Well, we say that because we are impersonal. We're learning, you see. We're learning how to get over being impersonalists. We don't come from a personalist background. We come from an impersonalist background, you see. So we're learning how to do that. So one thing that we have to understand, uh, and most of us do, is that Krishna's name, his form, his paraphernalia, his pastimes are all one and the same, you see. So Krishna's paraphernalia is Krishna. Is that right? Does anybody disagree with that? 
So if Krishna's paraphernalia is Krishna, why can't we recognize it as Krishna? And I'll give you some examples. I'll give, for instance, if uh, uh, I think when I was a child, I saw this movie about a, a, a lady whose husband was away in World War II. You see, and they were very close. Uh, they had a very close, loving relationship. So the husband is away fighting in the war, and he's gone for like a year or something like that, maybe two years. And uh, he had this special shirt that he used to wear when they would be spending time together. And she was going through the closet, you know, uh, feeling kind of cheery and, you know, going through the day. And she was going through the closet and she found that shirt, her husband's special shirt. And she took it out and embraced the shirt and started to weep in sweet memory of her husband. You know, that shirt reminded her of her husband, you see. So... That's an example of how we've experienced in this material world that the paraphernalia of the one we love will remind us of the love we have for them, you see. Now, uh, why is it not uh, sometimes, why is it so hard for us sometimes to do that? You know, here, I see as I travel around, I see sometimes people who are, who are abusing Krishna's paraphernalia. You know, I'm not saying they go into the Pajari room and throw the ornaments around, but where does it stop? Where does Krishna's paraphernalia stop? Is it when you get off the altar, now it's no longer his paraphernalia? No. What about the pajari room? When you leave the pajari room? When you're, what if you're out of the, outside of the temple room, outside of the pajari room, and outside of the deity kitchen? Is it still his paraphernalia? Yes. So if you're walking through the parking lot and you see a, a piece of trash that's been blown up there or thrown away, how can, how can we possibly walk past it without picking it up? Because we still, we're, we're recovering impersonalists. It's like you hear people who say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You know, they don't say I was an alcoholic and now I'm not. They usually say, well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You see, we're, we're, we're recovering impersonalists. We need to remind ourselves to, to give deep respect to Krishna. And we can do that by loving his paraphernalia. We can put hands on it, you see. We can put our hands on it. We can touch it. We, uh, we can do that. So wherever the devotee goes, he should see this wonderful temple. Well, as Krishna, this is Krishna. This is his energy. You see, this is his paraphernalia. Now, one could say, well, so are the mountains. and what are... So, well, why would we want to disrespect the mountains either? Let's say if we're in the mountains or the park and we have something we need to throw away, why would we throw it down? Why would we, why would we not have respect for every place? So how is it possible if we are personalists, if we're thinking of our beloved Lord, how is it possible for us to misuse anything of his? I'm talking especially in the temple grounds, you know, especially something that re relates to our temple activities. How is it possible? What has to go through our minds before we can do it? 
we have to forget him. We have to forget him. You cannot do it. If you're chanting Hare Krishna, I don't see how it's possible for you to misuse anything on this property. I mean, that's just etched in stone. Now, when we go off of this property as we're uh, navigating through the world, we also have to respect that as well. That is his paraphernalia as well. It's not that it stops, you know, when you get out to the street, <laughs> you see. And whatever he may give you to use in his service, your vehicle, that's his paraphernalia. You have to have respect for that. Now, what about the other people that we serve him with? We have to have deep respect for them. We have to have tremendous respect for, uh, for the people who come to uh, serve the deity in the temples, you see. They're very special people. So in this way, we can satisfy the desire that we have to put hands on it. Some people say, well, I want a God that I can put hands on, you know, that I can see, you see. Well, we can do that with his paraphernalia. Of course, you know, those of you who've taken... Uh, Second initiation, you can actually touch the Lord. You can go on the altar. You know, as I talk with people who are, uh, who've taken first initiation, uh, you know, they're looking forward to second initiation so they can get on the altar. And I think everybody feels that way. Can't wait. I, I felt that way. I couldn't wait. I was counting the days down to when I could go on the altar and touch the, the, the deity, you know, to get up close, up close and personal. You see, when you get up close and personal with the deity, with Krishna, you don't have to leave. You don't see in the material concept. If we go to see someone we love, and then we have to leave to go to work or to do something else, you see, then we have to leave them. We we have the association, and then we leave it. With Krishna, we don't have to. You see, we just get closer, 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 closer. You don't have to leave. You know, when you go to work, you take him with you. You know, when you go shopping, you take Krishna with you. Krishna should be with you all the time, you see. But sometimes when a, when a, uh, a non-Krishna thought starts to come into your mind, your mind wants to have some thoughts about something fun, you know, something maybe a little nonsense that might be fun, you know. If you can, a good exercise is to catch your mind at that point and say, my dear mind, you've got a choice. You can think about this nonsense thing or you can think about Krishna. And if you sometimes you can say to yourself, how do you think Krishna would feel? How do you think that uh, you makes your, your beloved feel? You tell him you love him. How do you think it makes him feel when you intentionally switch him off so you can think about something else? How is that love? You see? Is that, is that a nice thing to do to somebody that you even like? But to speak of love, you see, why should we switch him off and go nonsense? How does that make him feel? You see, we're, we're becoming personalists. That's what we're doing. We were Mayavadis. We were impersonal. We could, think, we could think of all kinds of trash and rubbish in our minds. We never thought, well, how does God feel? What's he thinking? Is he... Is, does it hurt his heart when I switch him off intentionally and think of something nonsense? Hmm? 
But as a bhakti yogi, we're personless. We're recovering uh, impersonalists. We're re recovering mayavadis. <laughs> we're learning how to be personal. And it's, you know, just, <clears throat> just like those who spent years as alcoholics, uh, just as they may have some uh, fall downs and some difficulties overcoming their habit, so will we because we've been mayavadis. We've been impersonal for so many lifetimes, you see. Even though we didn't know it and we probably didn't choose it, we evolved there through our desire to put ourselves in the center of our lives and to think of me, I, me and mine, you see. And I stopped caring. Not only did I stop caring about what Krishna wanted, what God wanted from me, I stopped caring about what anybody else wanted. And it was just all about me, basically, you know, with some differences. <clears throat> so now we've reversed the process. Now we're, we're recovering from that state. Now we have this bhakti yoga. We have other people to practice it with, you see. Now, Krishna is so kind that he's appeared in this deity form. Some people say, well, I don't understand this deity worship. Well, the Lord is so kind that he appears in this apparently helpless form. And he will accept all service. He will allow you to dress him, bathe him, feed him. You see? Now, some people think, well, you're just worshiping statues. No, the Lord is kind in this way. If we didn't have the deity, what would we have? Thin air? You know, we come in here, we could, <laughs> we could truly be impersonalists, couldn't we? You know, we could put a bright light up there and just worship the light. You know, when you think about the impersonal, uh, the, the destination of the impersonalists, uh, and, and you talk to them about it. You know, I run across them uh, everywhere. I was in Austin uh, giving a a class, and there were like three or four hundred hippies, I guess you could call them. They're like hippies. Yeah, new agey, whatever. They're, you know, hippie, whatever. And uh, of course, 99.9% .9 of them thought Krishna was, that, that thought that God was just energy. You know, they referred to him like as the universal energy. You know, this uh, light whirling ball of energy, you know. And, um, and that the object of life was to, to uh, when you quit your body, to go to the energy, go to the light, and to merge. And I would say, all right, let's go with that. Let's talk about that. Let's say that at the end of this body, you go, and here you are. Now you are, here you are. You're in the Brahma Jyoti. So what do you get? There's got to be some reward. I mean, do you want to go there just because you'll be hip? Everybody will think, wow, that dude went to the Brahma Jyoti, man. No. What do you want from it? What do you get? What's it like? Picture yourself there now. What are you feeling? Well, peace. I feel peace. Peaceful. Okay, so here you are. <clears throat> you're dead now. You're out of your body, and you're all totally peaceful. Okay, what else? So you're feeling peaceful. Uh, well, I feel uh, happy. Okay, so you're, here you are. You're peaceful, more peaceful than you ever thought you could be. 
because there's nothing around. There's no annoying sirens or traffic signs. There's nothing. There's nothing. Zero, zip, nada. It's a nirvanic stage. Nothing. And so now here you are, peaceful and happy. Okay, now what? And you can, and then they'll, they'll always, they'll, they'll run out of things after a while. They'll say, eh, well, I, you know, I just feel love. Oh, okay, okay, now let's go with that. What is it that you love? <laughs> and they run out of things to say. Usually when you get to love, they have nothing else to say. Okay, what is it that you love? I mean, I'm real curious. If you make this sound good enough, I'll change what I'm doing and I'll go with you. So here's your shot, you know. Hit me with everything you have. Let me know. Why are you doing this? What do you, what do you get? And I get them to admit very easily, there is no love in the impersonal. What is there to love? You know? Oh, gee whiz. Look at the, look at the, uh, the supreme universal energy. Isn't he bright today? <laughs> well, wait a minute. He was bright yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, it's a... Uh, well, he, uh, it. He's not a he because that would be a personal... So it, it gives us such peacefulness. Yes, it does. You see. And how do you communicate with the other souls that are there? You don't have senses. You don't do... Yeah, you... So here you are in this nirvanic stage. There's nothing happening. It's real bright. So bring along your sunglasses. And uh, it's all these folks there, and you can't really communicate. Of course, they speculate and say, well, we, we can probably have some sort of a communication, you know, mind to mind. I'm thinking, probably? You're going to go through all the rigors of this Ashtanga Yoga and all this, try to get up to the personal Brahman and you, you don't know for sure what you're going to get you're, you're going to assume that you'll have some way to communicate there you see so when you actually get them to uh, strip it down and to uh, analyze it you know they start to lose interest they start to think well you know this Krishna does sound pretty interesting you know these pastimes to having a God that has does sweet wonderful pastimes and then you and then you lay the real bombshell on them when you really f truly have krishna prem he is no longer god not to you no one could ever convince any of the inhabitants of braj that this krishna was god it's not possible you mean that kid that let my calves out he comes over and he lets my calves out and they go drink all the milk, and then when I go to, to milk the cow, the cows are dry. And he stole my butter, gave it to the monkeys, ate it. You know, they don't... Now, why does he do this? To have a loving re relationship. Sometimes a husband will tease a wife. You know, it enhances their loving relationship. You know, isn't it like that? Sometimes... People who care for each other will tease the other one a little bit. So Krishna's doing like that. He's teasing, you see. No one really takes it personal. Of course, some, once he pushes them to the point to where they, they start to get a little angry. And then when they go to approach him, he just smiles. <laughs> He's too adorable, you see. So, um, 
So this is a process of becoming a personalist. We're, uh, and as we, uh, if we examine our activities and our attitudes throughout the day, uh, we can notice that we still have a few tendencies tucked away here and there, impersonal tendencies, you see. We're recovering. We're, we haven't recovered yet. Some of you might have. Please forgive me if I have offended anybody. Uh, but as we walk around, we can see sometimes the dealings uh, are just not on a personal level or as personal as they could be, you see. That's not, I'm not saying people are bad. I'm saying we haven't recovered yet, and we're on the way. We're on the path. We have the ability to do it, you see. We have the apparatus to deliver us from impersonalism. We can do it, but we have to work together, you see. We have to uh, certainly work together. Impersonalists, sometimes it, it means like, uh, and you probably, tell me if, you, if you've heard anybody say this, you know. Well, you know, uh, well, they're always late. You know, I'm not in any hurry to get to the temple. Well, they're always late. Who's they? See, that's a mark of impersonalism. Name names. Try to blame it on somebody. Now you're getting personal. Can you say, well, Nartamananda's always late? Well, no, he's not always late. Well, uh, Mother Linda, she's a, no, she's not always. You see what I mean? When you, when you reduce it to personality, it's pretty hard to make that accusation. If you re reduce it from an impersonal they, well, maybe a step towards personalism would say, well, wait a minute. Instead of saying they are always late, I could say we are always late. Now, that's a step towards personalization. But a better realization might be to localize it even more. I am often late. I am part of we, and we are they. I'm part of the organization. I am part of the problem. I'm not going there right now. I'm not on time because I believe they are usually late. When the fact of the matter is, I'm they. It's time for the program to start or whatever. I'm not there because they are always late. You see how that works? It's impersonalism. Bring it on. Own it. We are... No, wait a minute. I am late. Be the change you want to see in the temple or the world. Mahatma Gandhi said that. You have a complaint about the temple? Be the change that you want to see. You see? As simple as that. Own it. Own it. That's what we do. We, we slice off a piece of activities called devotional service, and we own it. It's mine. It's mine. Now, people say, oh, it's not yours. There's a story. Uh, you've heard that story? It's Tamal Krishna Maharaj. He was on the bus, and this one devotee, there were uh, 
They're arguing over a book. And uh, this devotee said, give me my book. And this devotee says, it's not your book, it's Krishna's book. Well, you took my book. Well, it's not your book. It's Krishna's book. Uh, and Tamal Krishna Maharaj says, let me say something. And he picked up this book that was all torn and tattered and, you know, dirty. And uh, half the cover was torn off. And he held it up. He said, this is Krishna's book. And then he picked up this pristine, clean, well-kept and loved book. And he said, this is my book. Now we know it's Krishna's. But I'm taking ownership of it, you see. This body isn't mine. I didn't bring it with me when I came here. It was issued to me. It's not mine. But we say my body. It's Krishna's body. It's a temple. It's Krishna's temple. This is Krishna's temple. But we can own a piece of it, you see, by saying this is my service. I clean this part. This is, this is mine right here. I, I'm going to apply myself to it. Uh, cooking for Krishna. The restaurant, uh, you can see how Darashai Prabhu takes ownership. That's Krishna's restaurant, he knows that. But he takes ownership, you see, and has respect for it. Whatever service you do, own it. Buy it and pay for it. What do you, what do you buy it with? Love and devotion. Own it. Respect it. Become very personal with it. And realize every minute that you're doing your service, I'm doing this for you, Krishna. Personalize it. And when we talk about the temple, what to speak of the rest of the world, you know, let's take away things we say like they. Who are they? If you don't know who they are, don't use it. If you can't say, you know, who is it like people... Uh, if you can't say George Bush is the cause of all my problems or Dick Cheney or Barack Obama, you know, stop with the they. It's, a, it's, the, it's the boogeyman in the closet. They are out to get me. They are ruining everything. They are, you know, nah. If you don't know names, don't talk about it, you know. And who are you? What are you doing? You want to live in a perfect world? How perfect are you? You know? Are we, is it correct for us to uh, demand a higher standard for others than we demand for ourselves? It's not. You see? We can't tell everybody else, you fool, you're not doing this properly. You're not living up to the standard. But you can do it with yourself. You can tell yourself, you fool, you're letting Srila Prabhupada down. You're not doing this properly. Now shape up. I am sick of you. You can say that to yourself. You can make yourself get, uh, get going. You can make yourself get off the couch and uh, get out there and do and spread this movement. It's very difficult sometimes to have much influence over our, our fellow devotees, you see. But you can be the change that you want to see in the temple, the world, the community, whatever. You can do it. 
You can influence. You can preach by example. Be the way you want it to be. You have free will, and Krishna gives you the potency to do it. So are there any questions and comments? I think we should start to wrap it up. This is a good time for complaints, if you like. You know, we could all we could talk about what what they're doing. Huh? We have any they complaints we want to pull out? All right, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare.